The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life-transforming health tech. From AI to robotics and beyond, we're reinventing what's possible, and we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more. I'm Maura Ahrens-Mealy, and this is The Anxious Achiever. We look at stories from business leaders who have dealt with anxiety, depression, or other mental health challenges, how they fell down, how they picked themselves up, and how they hope workplaces can change in the future. Last season, we spoke with a military combat pilot, a famous entrepreneur, and a professor about their journeys managing ADHD and their intense careers. We dove into what it was like being an entrepreneur with this issue and why, in fact, according to research, having ADHD might even advantage you if you're an entrepreneur. It was one of our most popular episodes. However, everyone on the episode was a white man. And I got feedback from listeners, which was great, saying, hey, women have ADHD too. So today I want to address the fact that we have bias. Of course we have bias when it comes to neurodiversity and addressing mental health. We have ideas of who exactly faces certain issues. And I bet if you picture someone with ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, you probably picture a child, a kid. You might picture a man and a white man at that. The Anxious Achiever is about destigmatizing all that goes on in our brains and how all that goes on in our brains helps us succeed at work. And it's about breaking down preconceptions. Shante Joseph has written, The ADHD stereotype of young, white, hyperactive boys is doubly damaging for black women in particular who find it impossible to see themselves in the narrative. Failing to see themselves represented, they then hesitate to seek out adequate support. Well, today I'm excited to speak with Stephanie Oswo. She's based in the UK and she's a career advisor. She has ADHD and she's going to tell us her story. I started by asking her how she got into her line of work and why it matters to her. I am a careers advisor, um, the master's in career development and management, and I help people um, get into work. Um, I help job seekers at all levels um, get into, you know, their desired positions, senior leadership positions. I help people transition into self-employment as well. So that's my vocation and that's what I studied. But I also have a creative agency and a film club. So I'm one of five and I run a creative agency with four other amazing women um, where we basically do like campaigns, marketing, social media, all that jazz. Okay, so you have three businesses? Basically, I think I will get into this. People with ADHD <laughs> do a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Well, you know, there is a lot of data out there. Last season, I had a professor on who studies ADHD and entrepreneurship. And, you know, people with ADHD tend to be very entrepreneurial, as you probably know. Definitely. So you were diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. Um, 
how old were you when you were diagnosed and what led to your finally going to a doctor and seeking out help? Yes. So I was diagnosed at the age of about 25. So very late. I'm 26 now. So not really that long ago. Um, And I think what led to it was it was actually a junior doctor with ADHD herself who had followed me for quite a bit on Twitter. And she literally just DM'd me one day and was like, you know, I see you talk about like your symptoms and your experiences and, you know, and I just have a strong inkling that you might have adult ADHD um, and I think you should look into it. And I did. And here I am today with you. (laughs) Um, It's very, very, very common, especially for women to receive late diagnosis. Um, And yeah, it's been a journey. Um, a very difficult, enlightening one, but one that I have been very happy to embark on. Well, but tell me, what got you in that doctor's door? Were you in a point of crisis? Were you thinking, gosh, what is wrong with me? Like, what what led you to even be in the in the clinic? What led me to um, being diagnosed with ADHD is, I guess I've always felt that I was um, different. I've always felt that I was, you know, not necessarily, how can I put this? Like the same as other girls. Um, and it, and, and that was apparent to me from quite young, you know, my table was always the messiest, my, and you know, my desk was always like untidy. I'm chronically like late. I forget things. I was just really struggling. Um, but it was when I hit adulthood that, you know, things started to take a really bad turn. So, constantly being let go from jobs, constantly leaving jobs, um, constantly being disorganized. And the insecurity and the compounding effects on my mental health was why it even got to a place where a junior doctor has had to message me on Twitter to be like, hey, I think you might have ADHD. Wow. Talk to me about getting fired from jobs. What would happen? I would, so so it's crazy because in the interview process and, you know, the hiring stages, they would love me. And on paper, obviously, I'm, like, qualified and all that kind of stuff. And I come in and I talk my spill and I talk my jazz and, you know, I'm really excited and I showcase my passion. But when I would actually get into those jobs, especially the nine to five, um, you know, typical office jobs, I would really struggle. I would really struggle mm-hmm. to kind of, like, prioritize my work. I would physically find it painful. I would remember sitting at one of my old jobs, sitting on the chair, and it felt physically painful to start a task, right? Um, Mm. And I just, I guess, I just internalized that as, oh, there must be something wrong with me, or I'm lazy, or whatever it is, and I just never knew I had a disability. So getting fired um, from these jobs was usually, sometimes it wasn't even about the actual performance itself, constantly being late um careless mistakes you know things like Mm. that like typical adhd symptoms and that was like really affecting my employment and the thing about adhd and careers obviously because of you know the system we live in um if you lose your job you lose your income you lose your income you lose your home you lose your home you lose everything else like and it's a very scary spiral that you find yourself in, especially now, obviously, we've got the pandemic and, you know, it's hard to get jobs anyway. So 
people with this condition are really struggling and going back to the times when I would get fired it would be different because at least when you know you have ADHD you can ask for accommodations can't you you can mm-hmm. you know because obviously um legally in the UK and I think in America as well just generally um you're not allowed to discriminate against people with protected disabilities which ADHD is but when you don't know you have ADHD you can't advocate for yourself you can't request accommodations because you do not have that self-awareness so what it meant was that when I was being fired and when I was being let go and when I was failing and you know being dismissed it was a very awful process right it was and I internalized all of that within me Stephanie that that is horrible. I I can't even imagine how you felt thinking you must have just wanted to bang your head against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yeah, it was it was rough. There was a particular um job, I will never forget this, Amora. I got let go after 5 days. Wow. Yeah. Why? It was uh, to today I am not really sure, but it was definitely <laughs> due to my ADHD symptoms because basically there was this like marketing agency that I really, really wanted to work for. It was like my dream job, like literally all the clients that you can think of, like Netflix and all that kind of stuff. Because obviously my, I have a background wow. in film and entertainment. And mm-hmm. I was so excited. And then what happened was because of I because I had been fired so many times, Mora, when I got into the job, I the anxiety gripped me. Like I was so anxious. I was just so anxious I wasn't going to perform um I was really nervous and and they took it as like me not blending and being part of the team but they didn't know that I had I had so much that I had dealt with and then finally what kind of like ticked it off was we had a meeting we had a client meeting right where I was meant to go to like um uh outside of the office and go to the meeting right Mm -hmm. so in the calendar invite they didn't um actually like put exactly the address because I was actually just meant to go with uh, my co-workers. So when I mm. went out with my co-workers, we stopped first in like a restaurant. This is going to sound long-winded, but I'm, I'm going to, it's really important. No, it's good. So what happened was uh, my co-workers at the time, um, we were, you know, meant to come with our bags, meant to come with everything. But obviously I had forgotten to bring what I was meant to bring to the meeting. So it meant, Moira, that I had to run back to the office to get my things. So when I went back to the office to get my things, I was, guess what? I couldn't find my way back to the office because I had forgotten how to get back to the office. So I was running really late. By that time, I was really panicking. By the time I had got all my things, started getting in the cab, um they didn't the the address in the calendar was apparently not like right I ended up going to the wrong place I missed a big important client meeting the biggest that they've had and not long after that I was let go just after five days whether that's fair or not that's fine but I think it's so important here to really introduce the compounding effect of race when you are a black girl with ADHD um, when you are a black girl with anxiety, mm-hmm. when people see you kind of like being really introverted and alone, people see that as you being stuck up. People see that as you being, you know, oh, you know, you're, um, you don't really want to engage. Um, 
but they never really see like wow this person could be anxious or this person could just be introverted having adhd is one thing being black with adhd is a whole another ball game and that's why you know so many um people with adhd for example like end up in the prison system and we know the majority of people who end up in the prison system so yeah i think it's really important to talk about adhd not just as a disability not just as neurodivergency, um, which is very cool and an in thing now and woo, diversity. We need to talk about <laughs> the real effects that ADHD as a disability has on work, career, finances, um, safety, security. Um, yeah, it cascades through everything. And it cascades through everything. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Let's talk about shame. Yeah. Were you ashamed of yourself before you had the diagnosis? Oh, 100%. 100%. And I'm not going to say that since I got the diagnosis that that shame has left me because there's a difference between getting diagnosed when you're a child, when you're young, with all the support, you know, validation, um, the accommodations, as opposed to being told when you're, you know, like quarter way through your life, right? hey, by the way, you have mm. this. It's like, okay, that shame doesn't really leave you. Um, a lot of the shame came from the impact and the effects of ADHD. So the constant job losses, being out of like work, the insecurity, mm-hmm. the instability, also the social backlash of ADHD as well. Um, I Tell me been, more about that. Yeah, so basically... Um, Emotional dysregulation is a huge part of um, ADHD. I feel like when the condition is spoken about, people tend to talk more about uh, productivity and, oh, I can't do this because, you know, capitalism, right? But emotional (laughs) dysregulation is a huge part of ADHD that starts impacting your personal relationships now. Because, you know, there's one Mm. thing being fired. You get fired, you can get another job. Hey, ho, right? But... You know, when you're losing friendships, when you have random outbursts, when you get really um, overwhelmed because, you know, we tend to not really manage stress as well. Um, that's Mm-mm. when things can re- that's when ADHD can really start managing, uh, affecting your personal life. I, I, how to illustrate this is um, I've got a partner, I've been with my boyfriend for three years, love him to bits. The fact that he's still with me, he deserves an award. Um, I specifically <laughs> remember him texting me um, one day and being like, "Oh, you know, we've 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 been distant, like we've been distant." And I was like, "Wait, what?" It was literally because Love Island was on. Like, <laughs> honestly, like you can no joke. It, we have something called um, object impermanence, I think, where if if mm-hmm. if people aren't constantly around us or we're not constantly seeing people and being stimulated, then 
we can literally forget, like, not forget who you are, but just like, it's like, oh, oh yeah, shit, sorry. So, um, well, because 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 you're 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 focusing, you're almost hyper focusing, <laughs> right, on one thing, yeah, and it's the managing things. Peripheral. Trust me, I live with I live with two very very dear people with ADHD, <laughs> and so I'm a I'm on the other side, and you know it is challenging, mm-hmm. and I do find that things that we take for granted, people who are sort of neurotypical without ADHD, like being on time and managing all the minutia mm-hmm. that really are important at work, frankly. Um, especially when you're young in your career, do you think there's an element of it? I mean, you were quite young in your career. And so probably people relied and expected you to, you know, organize papers and be on top Mm -hmm. of it. Because when you're coming up in an agency, certainly that is a big piece of your role. That must be an extra challenge if you have ADHD and you're young in your career. Definitely. And a point that I just want to make about this as well is, What's so um, painfully ironic is that um, when you're in menial jobs, because basically I did my dissertation on ADHD in the workplace for my master's thesis. Um, And as I was doing my research, people with ADHD tend to do really well with the more top line stuff. So strategy, right? Brainstorming, um, consultancy, Mm -hmm. like really high level creative decision-making, big level stuff, right? Big ideas, big concepts. Um, But we do tend to struggle with, for example, like the more minutiae, so admin, more repetitive tasks, mundane tasks. And if you think about it, you need career as we know it, work as we know it, especially in a nine-to-five professional services environment or any office job, you need to basically cut your teeth, right? With the admin stuff, with the menial stuff, with the clerical stuff. That's a big part of your career because you can't just expect to come in straight after uni or, you know, um, college and just... Right, and, and lead the strategy and meeting the strategy and, and have meeting. it, like, you know... Oh, come on, like, <laughs> come on, right? You've got to cut your teeth. You've got to start from the bottom and work up. And, you know, that's the way it's always been. But you need to understand that when you have ADHD... It's that type of work that you really struggle in. So it means that you can't really work your way up. Because if you think about it, people are seeing that you are making spelling mistakes, your admin is rubbish, you think I'm going to promote you to a strategy role, you think you're going to go up, and then it means that you're kind of trapped in that Mm. kind of like menial work, which triggers your symptoms even more, and that gives you more shame because you're being really rubbish at it. And that's why people with ADHD literally, 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 literally fly in entrepreneurship. We excel and we succeed and we flourish under entrepreneurship. Not to say it's perfect, but it means that you're able to do things. Hold on. So I want to press you here, though. You're a career coach. Yeah. I mean, this is your job. Yeah. Yeah. What if I came to you and I was a person with ADHD who is in a corporate or bureaucratic or hierarchical or typical, quote, office mm-hmm. environment, and I can't be an entrepreneur, I don't even want to be. What, what's your advice to me? So Do I, do I say I have ADHD, I need help? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Right. So the first, 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 first thing is that I um, talk about, because I do have ADHD clients, I work with both neurotypical and um, neurodivergent clients in my practice. The first thing is... So first, to, to, to preface, usually ADHD clients come to me 
when they're already in crisis mode. So it's either they mm. started already um, quote unquote failing, they, they've already been reprimanded by management and it's like, crap, help me, okay? And mm-hmm, in that context, mm-hmm. it's, I think the first thing we need to focus on is getting you accommodations, making sure that management knows that you have ADHD because what they can do and what they legally should do is to give you work and a caseload that you are comfortable and that you can manage, right? So that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Another thing I do, I work with them is we start to talk about if the role that they're in is actually right for them, if the role that they're in is some is some is something that you know aligns with their skills and responsibilities, and not just that, if the working culture that they're in is conducive for them because there are so many environments that are not really accommodating for people with disabilities full stop okay so obviously as a career advisor majority of my clients are not um entrepreneurs i feel like that's like two percent of them um Mm. and the advice i kind of give them is we need to make sure that the job that you're in is one that plays on your natural strengths right it's um, mm-hmm. somewhere within your school remit, but the most important thing in a role in an industry that you're genuinely passionate about, right? So ADHD brains are novelty brains. We're always seeking new things, excitement, <laughs> um, novelty drives us, right? So it's really important for uh, people with um, ADHD and I would say other um, um, like conditions that you're in a role and then you're in an industry that generally infuses you because that is what is going to lead longevity and real career development and progression. So I work with my clients to uncover their skills, uncover their abilities. There are so many amazing, talented, creative, dedicated, you know, um, smart people with ADHD who don't succeed in the workplace, not just because they're struggling. Some of them aren't really struggling. A lot of them, it's internally, they don't put themselves forward for things. They don't even yep. feel they have anything to offer. Well, their, you know? their anxiety probably holds them back. I mean, exactly. you know, right? Because they're, they're so scared. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot, of, a lot of people that I've met, especially people who are diagnosed later in life, to your point, are, are more trapped by shame and anxiety than younger people who are sort of like, hey, this is me. And they learn, as we all do, to play to their strengths and lead with their strength. And so, you know, I I mean, I'm wondering, what's a piece of advice to someone who is dealing with a diagnosis, but but also wanting to find something great about themselves to hang on to? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm really bad sometimes at a lot of the things at work. (laughs) And I get upset, but then I remember what I'm really good at, which is I'm really good at sales. I'm really good at talking to clients. And I'm like, okay, okay, Maura, you can live with that. Like, what, 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 what's your version? What would you tell people? I would tell people to write down all the things good about you, right? And I would mm-hmm. say, don't limit it to work-related things. Just all the things amazing and lovely about you okay that's the first Mm. thing because it's so important for people with ADHD to affirm themselves it's really important and it's so important for people with ADHD to understand who they are 
what they're about um, and what they kind of like bring to the table. But most importantly, what are the positive aspects that you um, acknowledge from yourself? And just write that down. Mm. I would also say, like, have a think about what are the things that people compliment about you? What are the good things that people say about you? Because a lot of the time, people with ADHD, we will have skills, we will have talents and abilities, but we shrug them off, we dismiss them. We think, okay, I'm a good, like, I can draw, so what? I can't even say my job. I, I, what, what, what does it mean if I can't even do this? And the, because we're not performing and we're not succeeding the standard neurotypical way, it means that we're also um, undermining, like, the talents and the good things about us. So I would just say, really start getting comfortable with affirming yourself, like speaking truth and power into yourself as well is really important because I can sit with you, you know, I write amazing good CVs, right? Cheeky plug there. And I can write your CVs and write your your cover letter back to front. But if you don't believe you deserve this role, you believe you deserve this pay rise, don't like put yourself forward for things. Don't speak up for yourself. Don't apply for things because you think you're unworthy or deserving or that's just a little bit too hard for me counting your stuff out of the game before you've even given yourself a, a chance, that beautiful document I've done for you is not going to take you further than probably the interview stage. Do you see what I mean? So mindset retraining, I think, is really, really important and really is key. And that's something you've got to do yourself um, with the help of obviously like therapists and, you know, ADHD coaches. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a long journey and it, and it, but it's worthwhile. Tell me a little bit about the rising phoenix story. Like, oh, I love that y- you had a, <laughs> you had a rough go of it, but like, you sounds like you're in a good place now. What happened? I am. I'm in an. I'm in a beautiful place. I'm in an amazing place, and I feel like it's so important to recognize that that even though because it's funny because I've been in a I've been in a. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I've not had the best week, and I've been doubting myself, and oh. I've been feeling a little bit like oh god I I should do so much more I should do so much more I I need to do so much more but sometimes we forget that we're currently living through the chapter that we once prayed for um and (sighs) I think how I would describe my journey and how it kind of ended was you see that job that I told you about where they fired me Mm -hmm. after five days um that was it that was breaking point for me um it was breaking, really breaking point. I don't want to get really dark here. You know, I'm trying to keep it cute, but it was a really... Nope. Listen, we, we get dark <laughs> on this show because we are phoenixes rising. Yeah. So, yeah, it just got to a point where I was just like, I know I'm talented. I know I'm intelligent. I know I'm good. But it's like, why isn't things working out for me? And after that um, situation with that uh, employment, I just said to myself, maybe I need to stop fight in the tides and maybe I need to stop you know maybe forcing things and really trying to succeed in this thing maybe I just need to find another way so after that happened I saw a role for a um, career coach at a school bearing in mind I have been doing cover my CV since 2014 but I saw it more as a side hustle and I saw it more as like the thing I do to make me additional money because it was something I was passionate about. But um, at that point, it wasn't my main like career kind of like focus. 
So I saw the career coach um, position. It was a voluntary position. It wasn't paid, nothing like that. Um, and I applied for it and I got it because, you know, I had um, experience with uh, career guidance um, before. And oh my God, like I, I was dealing with like um, year nines. I don't know what the equivalent that is, but they were about like 13, hmm. 14 years old. So quite junior. Oh my. Um, <laughs> and um, I would tell them, my job was basically to inform them about like their careers because many of them would be doing their like end of um, the exam. A lot of them would be doing their GCSE. So I was like working mm-hmm. with young children. And oh my God, I would leave that place every day. Bear in mind, I'm not getting paid or cons- um, consumerated in any way. They weren't even paying our expenses. And I felt a glow, like I'd never felt that feeling. I felt so good. I felt like, wow, like, oh my God, okay. I really feel like I'm I'm having an impact here and I'm making people feel good. And what I want to say to people with ADHD, anybody listening on this show or just anyone, what is that thing that gives you that feeling where you're just like, mm, you know, everybody has that, you know? And it was then that I knew that, okay, cool. Maybe I need to just focus on the career guidance thing full time. But what's interesting is the dream of um, being a marketing director, because I've always wanted to work in marketing, like from very, very young. Like that was, you know, where I really saw myself. And it's interesting that I have not forfeited that goal because I still work in marketing. I still do social media. I still do everything, but on my own terms now. Because guess what? The admin, the minutiae, we pay other people to do that for me. We delegate those tasks, right? And it allows me to then focus on my strengths. Whereas um, in my careers advisor, my careers coach um, role, um, I'm able to basically like manage my own time, manage like the clients. So it means that I have a better handle on my, um, you know, like symptoms that doesn't mean that I will never ever go back to nine to five work but I just feel like um I'm really comfortable where I'm at at the moment um and I just want to focus on you know building myself up working with my clients and you know having an impact um where I feel like I will be needed because one thing I will say is the job that I the, the, the job the roles that I have now I don't feel like a tray in a cafeteria you know, where, you know, you take a tray, there's always going to be something there, right? That's why, like, employees can think you're really disposable and firing after five days when you've not even had a chance to do anything because I'm just another number. But here, I'm not another number. I'm Stephanie, you know? And, yeah, that's kind of, that was kind of my Phoenix Rising uh, story and just really acknowledging, okay, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? Is this the right environment for me? How can I tailor my life? How can I build my life? How can I build my world to suit me? One thing, if you're neurodivergent, if you are neurodiverse, if you have a disability, if you are an other, you probably feel downcast. You probably feel like you don't fit in the world. You need to make the world fit in for you, right? You need to see this world and you need to design your own world within the world because you always feel lesser than when you're comparing yourself to neurotypical standards and the typical way of doing things. That's it for today's show. 
Thank you to my producer, Mary Dew. Thanks to the team at HBR. I'm grateful to our guests for sharing their experiences and truths. For you, our listeners, who ask me to cover certain items and keep the feedback coming, please do send me feedback. You can email me. You can uh, leave a message on LinkedIn for me or tweet me at MoraAM. And if you love the show, tell your friends. Subscribe and leave a review. From HBR Presents, this is Mora Aaron's Mealy.